Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Rewrite the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I am thrilled and honored to have Lucy Hanley as my guest on this week's show. So you're going to hear a whole lot more about her. She reached out to me some time ago to interview me around the work that I do holding that we all mother and all women mother and expanding the definition of mothering to be much broader and more inclusive because we all conceive, create, and give birth to yes children but also ideas, dreams, careers, relationships, pets, anywhere where we're putting our intense mother energy. And in all of that, the most important person we need to mother is ourselves. So Lucy had reached out to me because she's an amazing freelance journalist and she interviewed me around a piece she was doing around finding joy in life without children. And I was honored to be a part of it. So. I'd love for you to find it. She did a beautiful job with this article and very personal and vulnerable. And we're going to get to speak with her today. So hang on and we'll bring her on in just a moment. Well, as I promised, here I am with Lucy Hanley. Lucy, thank you so much for coming on my show. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Gertrude. It's great to be here. Well, it's thrilling. I shared briefly, you know, before we got on that we met via you interviewing me for your article that recently came out in The Guardian. And we'll go more into that um, mm-hmm. specifically, but I wanted to let them know, let everyone know a little bit about who you are from a, I don't know, the, the typical bio <laughs> kind of place, because it helps us place people and it has its value, right? But sure. um, it's not all of who you are. What you do is not all of who you are, but there's a lot of really cool do stuff. Okay. So Lucy's been a writer for more than a decade. She has worked for several business and lifestyle outlets as a journalist and editor before going freelance. She also writes and presents videos, takes part in podcasts, yay, me, um, <laughs> knows webinars, and has recently ghostwritten an award win- an award-winning win- memoir. What's the name of that? I could so find it's, it, but... called, um, it's called 100 Million Hair Ties and the Vodka Tonic. So it was for an entrepreneur who invented the Invisibobble hair tie, which I can show you now, which obviously not everyone. Oh, of course. Yeah. I had one on earlier today. Yeah. So it's like a kind of a spiral hair tie. And she yeah. invented these when she was at university and sold 100 million within a few years and continues to run this very successful, very interesting business. That's so, so cool. Yeah, it was very, it was great to kind of work with her and hear her story and help her craft it a little bit. And it's, and it's award-winning. So it is. Yes. Yay. It won um, a business uh, book award for best business journey. I think the category is, so it's kind of like yeah. the memoir journey. Um, and she's only the, the entrepreneur, Sophie Trellers speed is I think she's probably just turned 30 so um she's been running the business for a while and the book is all about you know she sources from China and then she finds out that the factory has been destroyed but nobody's told her and then you know obviously it's a product because it's a spiral shaped hair tie a bit like a telephone cord it's the kind of thing that copied quite easily oh yes copied and you know then Amazon tells her she has to take it off Amazon. So there's loads of stories. So it was really interesting to. Wow. Oh, now I'm even more intrigued. I'm I'm going to get that book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, and, you know, your writing spans a lot of genre, like topics, right? You're very much in the business and finance as a writer. And you were shortlisted for a freelance writing award in 2021 in that arena, and you've covered everything from how the pandemic changed China's health system 
to the strange experience of holidaying in Las Vegas alone. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the ways that brands make the most of TikTok. So, you know, I'd, I'd give that a, you're not just a one note, you know, one, one area writer. You've also, your writing has been in national, international media, including CNBC.com, The Guardian, and The Telegraph, and editor-at-large at Catalyst, the member magazine for the Chartered Institute of Marketing. So many cool things. And obviously, well, you'll find out how you can find out even more about Lucy on her website and all the ways. And we'll link to the article that she wrote that I got to be a part of, which I felt incredibly honored to do so. So I know that just touches on things for you, Lucy, but uh, I think it gives a good flavor. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And then I'd love for you to just then speak into kind of the space I opened up around who you are and some of your journey. And then we'll get into, you know, the journey specifically around what brought you to write the article that, that I was taking part in and we'll go from there. Sure. Thank you. So uh, what can I tell you? So I'll, I'll try to summarize this uh, mm-hmm. in an interesting way. That's hopefully useful in some, some, some way for people listening. So I, um, I'm from London. I grew up in London. I still live in the UK. I actually started my career in advertising. I worked in agencies as an account handler for several years, and then I switched to become a journalist. I didn't become a journalist till I was 30. And that was a that was a, mm. also a tough time in my life because I lost my dad um, just after mm. I started my first job in journalism. And I'd been living with my parents and they'd been helping me out because I'd been studying and I'd been helping them out because my dad had been poorly. So, you know, my 30s were quite tough in lots of ways and Mm -hmm. um you know I'm sure we'll come back to this but you know that was interesting because it was at a time when lots of people were meeting their spouses and settling down and then they started having children and you know meanwhile I'm grieving and I've just started a new career so actually you know that was quite lots of sort of well pivotal moments tricky moments you know quite tough stuff and then I suppose if, you know, if we're talking about my career, you introduced me uh, talking about my work. So I'll talk a little bit about that. If, if yeah, please. Okay. Yes. Um, so I, uh, yes, yeah, so my first job in journalism was at Construction News, which is a British uh, paper that's a magazine that covers the construction industry, which at the time was, there's was so much um, investment. So we, London hosted the Olympics in 2012. So there's a lot of construction around that. And we also have a new railway system called Crossrail that was being built that's finally opened now uh, mm-hmm. called the Elizabeth Line. So there was a lot of kind of like meaty stuff to get get my uh, head around as a journalist who didn't know yeah. anything about construction. So, and then from there, I worked for Marketing Week. I was a features editor, which is a B2B a business to business magazine. And then I worked for a lifestyle magazine for a couple of years. And then that actually went into um, administration, which means it ran out of money. Um, and that's mm-hmm. when I became freelance. So actually, that was the kind of um, moment when I was kind of uh, forced to go freelance. But it was actually the best thing that happened to me because I absolutely love being a freelance writer. And, you know, as you've kindly said, I have had the opportunity to cover loads of different topics. And I believe that variety is the spice of life. So that's kind of brings us up to today, I I, I guess, in terms of, of my yeah. uh, career, certainly. No, thank you. And yeah, it's a, how our life interweaves with, you know, we, we move forward based on like what's happening in our, in our immediate surroundings. Right. And with everything you had going on mm. um, during that time, you know, to pivot like you did and to make the choices that you did seem well, of course, this is what I would do and what I would be doing. But you mentioned like, oh, but a lot of the people I know and friends around me were doing different things, right? Yeah. Um, in their 30s. So we'll just jump right into, you know, you in the article you wrote in The Guardian, how I found joy in life without children of my own. And it's a very yeah. vulnerable, beautiful revealing of your journey in that in that arena. And then to choose to write about it and have it published is, is a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. It's a really big deal. So even just starting with how did you decide to come to write it, you know, having yeah. experienced it, it's like, you know, if you didn't have to write about it, you could have had your journey and it's, and uh, not shared it with the world as you yeah. have. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was and is a journey and I guess going way back from a very young age, 
I always thought I would have children, right? It's an assumption mm-hmm. that you have as a human, as a woman. It, it, it was, you know, we would talk at school about, oh, who do you think is going to get married first? Who's going to have children first? And I remember saying, oh, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get married until I'm 30. You know, and that wow. was like, because I want to live my life and find out who I am, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm now 46 and I'm and I'm single, right? So that doesn't... <laughs> that didn't kind of pan out but I don't that's fine like it's childhood things you're sitting around on a desk and you're and you're uh, we used to sit on our desks and put our feet on the chairs at lunchtime very very mm-hmm. uh, badly behaved and then as you said when I came to the age of 30 I certainly was in you know I was I was single my dad was very sick and he passed away when I was 31 and probably mm. had a, a range of different illnesses and you know losing him was extremely difficult and it's you know it still is um and I I would say and I know this is kind of like a a big backstory to 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 how I came to write the article but I guess it feels quite important because it's it's about how I kind of came to be okay with not having had children because it's something I always wanted it's something I always thought would happen and kind of assumed would a little bit blindly um Mm -hmm. and I spent some of my 30s going oh my gosh I just want someone to look after me. I need to find a man to look after me. I just lost my dad. I obviously could never replace him, but, you know, I felt really lost. And I was, you know, in a really low place for quite a few years in my early 30s. And meanwhile, I'm kind of surrounded by people who are just about kind of like getting engaged, getting married, kind of getting partnered up. Not not everybody, mm-hmm. but, um, and, and you know, I was overjoyed for my friends. I love a wedding. I love a love story and a great relationship. and you know, but it is something that as the years went by, I was thinking, okay, when's my time? When's this going to happen for me? And towards my late 30s, I thought, okay, you know, I really want to have children. And and then I think I, I went through a, a point where I got to my early 40s. And this is sort of at the point where I sort of opened this, this, this Guardian article, I'm walking down the aisle of a grocery store and I'm in the pizza aisle and it says perfect for families on the big sign on the pizza mm. aisle. And I think sort of, um, where's my family? I mean, I have a family, right? I'm very blessed to have like, my mom is amazing. My sister, my nephews, my brother-in-law, but you know, I wanted my own kids and it's just this, the, the narrative is around families, you know, the deal yeah. families and family holidays and 2.4 children. And this sort of, you know, and I didn't fit into that. And I think that part of the wanting children, actually, if I'm really honest and I really get deep, part of the sadness around not having had them was because I felt like I was left out, right? Yeah. All my totally. friends were having them. Yeah. And it, and it was the sort of fear of missing out and the fear of being last and the fear of what if. And I, I think that was possibly even stronger than my desire to reproduce or nurture another human right I'm still Mm. a nurturing person and we can talk about how I feel like I mother or my mother codes now um but I yeah I mean I I sort of got to the point in my early 40s where I thought shall I do this on my own and I went to a clinic uh which was great because they were they had specific open evenings for single mainly there was I mean I guess it was all women there who wanted to maybe think about having IVF on their own and Mm -hmm. I decided I didn't want to do it on my own partly because they said it's quite unlikely to work because of my uh, fertility at that point also because of the expense and also what it really came down to was that I just didn't want to do that whole experience on my on my own so yeah so I can talk in more detail about this but I think I got to the point now where I'm 45 and you know something that I think you know Jennifer Aniston for example she talks about it and she's in her early 50s and now she feels like she's kind of like on the other side where people are not asking her anymore and she has been open about her own fertility uh, journey, right? So, and I I do have that kind of other side feeling. And I remember thinking a couple of years ago as a writer, oh my gosh, one day maybe I'll write about this, but I'm not ready now. I can't, Mm. I can't accept that this may not happen for me, right? And I'm fully aware it may still happen, right? I'm fully aware that you know, I may choose to foster or adopt, and I'm fortunate to have those options. You know, I may choose to, who knows, you know, if I meet the right partner, I may choose to receive donor eggs, who knows, right? But I'm, I, as I am now, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I wanted to find a way to feel joyful in life exactly as it is. 
And mm. I think I just got to a point where, you know, you and I spoke about a year and a half before the article came out because mm-hmm. I was actually I actually thought I might put it into a book. Right. Um, and I wanted to explore my experiences and the experiences of other women and men of my age and older and younger who had chosen not to or didn't have children. And actually the choice thing is interesting because it, it's not really, it wasn't really a choice for me. It was a circumstantial thing. And then now I'm on the other side and I'm like, okay, I need to make the most of my life. And so obviously you kindly spoke to me because I know that you help people with their journey to parenthood or motherhood in whatever that way that means. Exactly. So that was quite a long answer. So I'm happy to dig into any of that or <laughs> whatever works. Well, it, it it's long, but it, I don't even, I, I wouldn't even qualify it with a long, short, whatever. It, it's beautiful. And I'm was sitting here appreciating you sharing. There was no way I wanted to interrupt because of the way you were building on that, but I will underline a couple of things, you know, right from the start and then throughout, you know, how it's still, and it probably will be for some time. It's going to be, I think a while before we don't, even though we're, oh, we're, we're more open to a variety of choices and, you know, women choosing to have children or not, but it's still very much in the mainstream. Uh-huh. It's, you know, it's, it, it's a knee jerk to ask people, oh, do you have kids? You know, uh-huh. oh, oh, you're married. Then, you know, if you're married, like, oh, you don't have, ki-. you know, there's yes. always, there, oh, there must be something wrong or, or it'll still happen for you. I mean, there's so many yes. phrases that you hear, oh, you'll, you might still find some, like, it's always like, and I think you were saying that toward the end where it's, well, I still could, you know, so that choice for sure is always available, Mm. you know, at, at whatever age. And that's kind of cool. And there's value in both leaving that open and kind of drawing a line in the sand, you know what, like, and that's what I love about how you decided I'm going to write. I want to, I want to be clear on yes. and really enjoy the life I am living right now yes, and exactly. not be in that, like, well, later, yes. you know, when I have worked with women who have these beautiful lives and beautiful careers and that, but very vulnerably sharing like, yeah, but you know, none of that really matters unless I get married and have a child. Yes. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if you, you know, yes. obviously I'm hearing it through a different lens you know, how these concepts have supported them to really fully value um, themselves and then make that choice. You know, I've had couples, I've had single women who've just said, nope, I'm single by choice. I'm single without children by choice. And I'm creating my life and it's beautiful. And it's, well, it's beautiful. It's everything, right? Just like any life is. So I want to underline like just how much we still have to work through that code. And, and I love what you said about, gosh, if I were really to tell the truth, there's so much of it is like, oh, everyone around me is having this experience and I'm not. And some of it is like, I just, one, I want to fit in Two, I want the experience because everybody's doing it for you to, you know, and I love when women can just be honest, like, but I don't know the, the, like the whole thing about the actually having the child and and doing it, like, wasn't at the top of the list, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was there it's there yeah. but maybe not you know fully at the top of the list and I think that's really important truth mm-hmm. you know to tell mm-hmm. um I'm underlining some of those things and I don't know any reactions to what I'm saying that Absolutely. are resonating with you yeah so I was going to say actually the why question uh the fertility consultant that I went to see in my early 40s she said to me you know she had my test results sort of to see what my ovarian reserve was like and she said um, she said to me, you know, why do you want to have children? And I've actually spoken to friends who have been through IVF and they constantly said that they got asked that question and it was triggering, triggering for them. And actually, uh, and it was triggering for me at the time. And I, and I sort of, um, I used to sort of think, well, it's my right to, and that's what happens, which actually, you know, looking back, it's sadly, it's not just what happens for, for people. And also, you know, I was also in a sort of vulnerable place where I blurted out, so I don't die alone. Right. And, and, which is the sort of classic response, but actually, you know, and that was a fear I could not articulate to anybody. And then I happened to have a conversation with a friend who is also a life coach um, in lockdown in 2020. And and I don't know how we got onto the subject. And I said, you know, that's my greatest fear. And she said, well, okay, now you said it, you've got it out there. And actually, 
Mm. You know, I, I kind of got over that because like, sadly, you know, some of my grandparents died alone and they clearly had kids and grandkids. You know, does it really matter, right? And I'm not, it, and children, you can't expect them to look after you throughout, it's not a guarantee they'll look after you throughout the rest of your life, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that's the right. thing. I've got over that one. But I think the, the 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 why question and what you were saying about the expectations and the, you know, the questions around uh, choices and then when you, and if you get choose to get married and once you're married, you know, people then get, are you having children? Why haven't you had children? Are you having another one? You know, I still, I still uh, get those comments. You know, I was at a gathering the other day and there was a baby there that was a really cute baby. And um, I said to my friend, oh, my gosh, that baby's gorgeous. I want to give him a cuddle. But I didn't know the parents very well. So I didn't really feel like mm. I could go and cuddle their baby. Right. <laughs> so, um, and he said to me, oh, are you, are you getting broody? And I said, you know, he he knows how old I am. And I was like, oh, I think that ship might have sailed. And that's how, um, and, and it depends who says those kinds of things to me. Sure. Right? So, uh, you know, I was in on holiday in Spain and um, for work. Well, so, sorry, it was a kind of like a, I was interviewing somebody for a travel piece during mm. the holiday. And uh, he had he had a one-year-old. He was showing me photos of his one-year-old. And he said to me, do you have children? I said, no. And he said, oh, not yet. And I just went, I just didn't, I just smiled. I didn't say anything. And it's funny because it's actually the day after that my article came out in the guardian oh um, my gosh yeah so that was a moment right and I was just yeah. like it was almost I could obviously I still remember it but it was like I didn't feel like it was a dagger in the heart you know it was it was it was okay and I'm now at the point where I can kind of respond to people in an honest way and I know that, and and I'm also super aware of not saying to you know uh, a friend of mine is has a partner but I'm, I'm super aware of not saying oh are you going to get married oh are you going to get children when are you going to move in together because I think that they'll tell me if they want to tell me and it's really yeah. no, no one's business but everybody mm. thinks that it is <laughs> it is Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. 
I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Just there's these lines that we cross just thoughtlessly. And I, I love hearing how, you know, your experience has helped you be more sensitive, you know, and aware and um, not same for me, right? I don't ask those questions (laughs) Um, or bring them up, but learning how to, and I, I love how you're sharing that it's been a journey or process to feelings I now have when that comes up. Like, and I I think you're, you've said before, like, you know, how you've come to feeling much more peaceful about not having children. And it, so I always kind of, whatever coach or, you know, like look at it from a couple of perspectives is I don't have to wall myself from that hurt or, you know, fear or the feeling, but there's an acceptance. There's a, a processing of that of that feeling that I can get more adept at. Right. But I, and realize that just because you asked that question, I don't have to answer it. And I love that. Right. It's, I don't have to, I can choose who I'm sharing where I'm at in my journey with that, you know, and I can experiment with different responses and I, 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 I'm not thinking of any off the top of my mind, you know, I can be playful about it. I could, you know, I could decide to have a snappy retort, you yeah. know, kind of, yeah. and it, they're all okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're all okay. And I think it would sometimes probably serve a, be of good service to let people know, you know, that we'd like to curb that. Like, what is it need do mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. to know that? Right. Yeah. And I know some of it is like, Oh, I have kids. Do you have kids? And then yes. we can talk about our kids. Yeah. Um, and gosh, if we don't have that, what are we going to talk about? And I think that leads to, you know, how that. this is open that journey of like, you know, I, I still have a purpose. Hello. I'm still yeah. living a purposeful life. Yeah. And I think that's always one of the things I so want to underline is just how, you know, wired in our culture over, I'm going to say at least a couple thousand years, but I think mm-hmm. more like five to 6,000 years, mm-hmm. we've, that wiring came about in a patriarchal system Mm -hmm. that we were complicit in, you know, I always like say that it's, this was, you know, we've all been in this together Mm -hmm. and we're trying to unwind it, but that unwinding, you know, doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And I I think us, I'm saying us as, you know, women reclaiming that our purpose is way bigger and vaster. Children is a beautiful thing. And gosh, you know, what a miraculous gift that we have this capacity, but it, it isn't, why I don't believe why we're on the planet, right? Yeah. Like it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why we're living this life. So I'd love to hear kind of what your journey has oh. been like looking at, you know, this, you know, putting purpose. And mm. I know we talked in the article about creating a vision for yourself and, you know, there's all of that, what that has meant for you. Yeah. So that was super interesting. And I think, you know, you and I talked about it and you talked about the why question. And I believe that that's the question you ask people in your work. Um, and sometimes, sometimes uh, the answer is it's to do with the yearning. People want to make a difference. Um, they want, you know, to help someone grow and, and change. And I think, um, you know, I I had uh, I had done kind of vision boards in the past where I'd stuck lots of pictures onto a piece of cardboard with the things that I desired in my life. And I think that, you know, I think you talk about how goals are different from from visions and 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 purpose. And I suppose mine kind of I don't know if it was a mixture of the two, but it was about how I wanted to feel. And yeah. and you know, yes, my vision board had pictures of it of a man and a child. It also had a garden and it had um, you know, some nice holiday destinations on it. But you know, I can I don't I look back on that vision board, uh which is slightly tattered now. And I think, well, I don't have the man and the child, which is the sort of tick box thing. But I think it's more about a feeling that I that I wanted to have. And I'm not saying that I'm I'm there, I'm done, because I think it's, you know, life mm. goes on until you die, right? So totally. you have to appreciate, and coming back to what we said before, you have to appreciate where you are in, in the moment. And I think to answer your question, like, where am I with that kind of vision and purpose? I think it's like, I don't have a neat answer, right? I 
I did do some coaching work in the pandemic with a coach, David Edmonds, who was brilliant at helping me to understand my why or my purpose. And I think I came, I did come up with a phrase, um, but I can't, if I'm completely honest, I don't think it's a thing that I kind of walk around thinking, right, this is my purpose, but I'll tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. So it was to do with me being here on this earth to help other people find their sparkle in life, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not saying I'm going to become a coach and I'm going to help people find their why or their purpose, but I suppose it's like, I do like to help people feel good and that can manifest itself in different ways. So I think in the in the yeah. article I wrote, I talked about, you know, uh, volunteering and, um, you know, uh, uh, flyering my streets, sending out, making little flyers for where I live in London, which is a lot of um, terraced houses and lots of flats um, on, a, on a street. So there's lots and lots of people who live here and kind of inviting people to join a WhatsApp group and then also joining a co-working space so I could be around community and trying to contribute to that but I'm not saying I've kind of like switched from wanting to be a mother to wanting to be a sort of a, a, for example a, a charity worker or a volunteer for example that's it's not as clear-cut as that sure but I still feel purposeful and I still feel like I have a lot to give I I don't know if I've really necessarily there's more work I could do on that actually um and I think the nurturing element is still there and I still want to make a difference in people's lives right mm-hmm. and I have two little nephews who are nearly six and three and they are three and three and the other one's three and three quarters and you know I I want to and I'm close to them and I, I want to help them learn and grow in in a way that maybe an only an, maybe only an auntie can I don't know I don't know who knows but I love to I, I feel like I don't mean to interrupt, but I, that one more, I don't know if it's, you know, like, no, I, I know because I've been around it in a number of ways that mm-hmm. the aunt uncle role is so undervalued or uh, underestimated mm-hmm. and it's, you know, and it's different in every situation, what it provides. It's, it's not a grandparent, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the parent mm-hmm. You're you have this distinct role that mm-hmm. is possible. Should you, you know, choose at whatever level you decide to take it on, you know, you don't have all that responsibility, you know, Mm. with them. Mm. And I don't mean like, oh, so you can be, you know, just have fun and be playful with them. No, you can, you, you have certain windows in, you know, Mm. or Mm. certain, Mm. you know, aspects that being a parent or even a grandparent just can't and won't have. Mm. And, Mm. and I'm particularly kind of on it strongly because, you know, I've, I ran for, for 26 years, I ran, these parent-child weekends, um, adventure weekends that are, they're really ultimately intended for the parent to have a space to talk about how they're uh, around their learning and growing, right. And what being a parent is bringing up for them. And, um, but then the kids get a lot of leadership training and social emotional intelligence. And so they're these really beautiful weekends, but we also have aunts and uncles on the weekend. So variety of ages, age ranges, like there's teen leaders. We don't quite call them aunts and uncles yet. And then people who come and volunteer. And there are so many of those kids that talk about like the connection they have with those aunts and uncles. And they're, you know, they're, it's not like they come every year. They might have that connection one year. Um, through a, a variety of of circumstances, but how much value they bring, you know, mm. to the table in that mix. And I don't think they'd be the same weekends mm. if it were, you know, just the families and just the parents without that added layer, you know, of adults. So that. I'm very much pro. Yeah. I <laughs> pro love that. And I, that. Yeah. Uh, very pro uh, aunt and uncle. And they come for their learning and growing. They come because yeah. they're on their own journey whether it's they, I mean, my husband helped those out, helped out on those weekends before we had kids. Cause he was going to, we laughed about this cause he was going to figure it out and know how to do yeah. it, not make all the mistakes that he sees them, you know, like it was such a guy thing, but a lot just come, you know, to, for what I think one of the big reasons or one of the big unspoken treasures that, you know, can happen in parenting is learning and growing ourselves, right? Mm. They're there, they're a vehicle. Mm. That's why expanding it, you know, beyond the kids, because I see the same thing happen for the aunts and uncles, like, Mm. you know, watching the families and what that stirs up, you know, seeing their own mother and another mother, you know, seeing themselves as, as that child and, you know, what they can learn on their journey, you know, in that is, 
it's kind of the same for everyone in a way, right? Yeah. So all that to be said, I want to, you know, put a big, strong, like, well, maybe, you know, the ant role, it's like, no, we're going to hold that role very importantly. (laughs) And you could be as intentional as you want about it. I, I coach a couple who are very intentional about how they are and what they choose to do with their nieces and nephews. Um, we have to remind them sometimes how important it is and, but they see it reflected back in the kids. So anyway, yeah, go ahead. No, no, it's great. I love that you run those weekends. And I, I mean, it sounds incredible. I, you know, I I was going to say so much of what you said resonated. And I was going to say, there's a couple of things. One is, you know, it's incredible to see children develop and learn new things. And, you know, in my experience of it, you know, I saw my nephew learn to ride a bike just like that the other day. And, you know, sometimes children take naturally to these things and sometimes it takes a little bit more time. And yeah, yeah, and and he just borrowed a friend's bike and off he went. And, you know, he just wants to show me how to do that. And that's just, yeah, it was just beautiful to see. And then the other thing I was going to say is I am really, you know, I, I, I have read one parenting book. I may read more, which is Philippa Perry, who's a British, I think she's a psychotherapist or psychologist. I'm not sure which, but she's a therapist and she her book's called the book you wish your parents had read and mm. it's a parenting good title book. yeah great title <laughs> and, and I I listened to the audiobook and I because I wanted to understand a bit more about what my friends were going through and a bit more about my own upbringing and obviously I wanted to understand parenting styles of today and how you mm. you know help the children in your care to to grow and how they need and want to be heard and so I, I just wanted to understand a little bit more about how to kind of respond in the moment. And I don't want to give the impression that I'm looking after my nephews all the time. I really, I'm not. My sister and my brother-in-law do most of that. In fact, I would yeah. say all of it almost. And I, you know, I do kind of go in and, but but if something goes, uh, one of them falls over or one of them's crying and doesn't feel heard. And I want to be able to understand you know, how to respond in that moment. And, you know, like I said, I've re- literally read one parenting book. I do not, I <laughs> don't think that I'm a parent and I know how hard, I can see how hard it is from the outside. But yeah, it's it's very special to see that parent-child relationship grow as well between mm-hmm. my sister and brother-in-laws and my nephews. Well, I know you're kind of almost apologizing for it, but I love that you've read a parenting yeah. book, right? Because yeah. you're like, I'm going to be around kids. I'm going to, you know, some of that's for myself and just... Mm. Well, you know, I'd like to know that and I'd like to learn about that experience, right? And w- where where I'm going to play a part in it, I want to understand some of that too, right? Because I, I think it's very responsive. I love that you did that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know what I, I would like to read. I would like to read more. So, you know, anyone has well, any I just want. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we can talk about that after. I'd love to think of ones that would be really interesting given, you know, what we're talking about and stuff. But I also want to jump back real quick to thank you. I know it's, it can, for sharing your, you know, what you came up with for your purpose statement, like that's very vulnerable. So I just Mm -hmm. want to acknowledge that. Um, And I was thinking uh, one thing that I would, if, if you're open to hearing my, my thoughts on it, if that's okay, Um, because I love it um, that you want to you know, how people have the sparkle in their life. It was something like that, right? I think I what I would say before that is my purpose is to sparkle and find and continue to, you know, uh, find ways to the, the, to learn and grow and sparkle, shine as brightly as I can and lead others and support others to do the same, Amazing. right? I yeah. think there's something about us owning like, and our own journey is purposeful, right? Yeah. It isn't just, I, I don't think our purpose necessarily has to be always in relationship with someone else. Like yeah. I think it starts with yeah. ourselves, you yeah. know, and doing that thing that we're doing for ourselves. And then, yeah. And then I want to make a difference to others. I want to share that. Yeah. I, how does that resonate with you? It really resonates. No, I love, I love, I love that. And I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I was just, uh, I wrote a note down as you were speaking because I didn't want to forget, but um, I think part of my purpose is in order to try to help other people feel life sparkle. I think, you know, the the piece I wrote in the Guardian was about how I found joy, right? And I really wanted to help 
yes, of course, it was cathartic for me, but I wanted it to be as helpful as possible for all the people oh, reading right. it, right? That's more, almost more important. So, because I've been on the journey, I've, I've kind of like, yeah, it's still a journey and I can't say, you know, I, I see my nephews and I see my friend's children and yes, of course, sometimes I wish I had my own and I don't think that will ever go away, but it's taken time to get here. But, you know, I really think that if... Uh, you know, I've just written down here, 35 year olds. So a woman or a man or or, 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 or whatever, a person of any gender who mm-hmm. um, reads this the, 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 or listens to this, um, you know, I, I want to be able to show people that you can have a great life yes. without children and you can have a great life and a purposeful life and a content one, however you find yourself leaving, leading it. 100%. You know? I know that I'm a, a, a fortunate, you know, in a fortunate and privileged position, you know, having had a good education and, and, and you know, growing up in a middle class household, you know, I'm, I'm really fully aware of that. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the fact that I was ready to share this feeling with the world of I didn't have children, it's been really painful. I went through, you know, some very dark places and actually in the article I talk about every time someone told me they were pregnant I felt like another nail was being nailed on the coffin right mm-hmm. and I was in it which is a dark dark image and I was mm-hmm. hesitant as to whether I should include it but I thought actually that is how I felt and yeah. it wasn't to do with my friends at all it was to do with me you know I was joyful for them but I was sad for me at the same time and then um I, I don't feel like that anymore like I really do not but I suppose it gives permission, right? It gives exactly. you being willing to put, it's like, oh, I shouldn't share that. No, because then, yeah. you know, a, a person, a woman reading that is going to say like, oh, okay. Like me feeling that is normal, right? I'm not a bad yeah. person because no. in addition to the joy, it's also hurtful or painful to me. Yeah. And I should get, and that opens up a space to then feel okay to have that full feeling, right? Like, yes. It, might be a cathartic release in there, some aspect of the healing that then contributes to the journey of getting more and more at peace with it. Yeah. And I suppose like when I was say in my mid thirties, I, you know, I was kind of like head down thinking, okay, I'm on the apps. I need to find a husband. I need to find a, you know, and I, I sort of wish that I had, you know, if, if there'd been someone I could look to and go, okay, there might be another way. And life on the other side, if you don't, you know, I'm, I'm single at the moment. Um, I would love to meet someone. Mm-hmm. But I, again, the attitude I have, it's about, you know, trying to appreciate my life as it is. And yes, there are days when I really long for somebody and I really feel sad about not having had that wonderful partner. And of course, there are highs and lows there too, right? But I yes. think, you know, m- mostly I come back to sort of, you know, feeling happy and, and, and content. But I always had this thing of, you know, even when my dad was ill, I wanted to know what life was like on the other side of when you'd lost somebody, right? I didn't, mm. not that I was trying to speed through the grief because you can't, but I wanted to like, I wanted to go, okay, how how is this? Like, what's the, you know, how do you kind of come to terms with this? Or how do you, how is, yeah. how is life afterwards? And so, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're in their mid thirties and they're, and they're in this question, or if they're, trying to get pregnant or they want to find a partner or they're thinking about doing it on their own or they're not sure if they want to have kids or not you know I think it's if you can find different perspectives and go okay things are going to be all right if I don't right life can be okay and actually can be more than okay it can be joyful mm-hmm. um if, if yeah. you don't sorry that was quite a long answer but I, I just... no it's not we'll, we'll work on you apologizing for your sh- <laughs> your flow <laughs> and you. sharing yes, I have I'm not sorry for anything I said <laughs> we'll take it back. Take it back. It's a side conversation, but it's a habit, and it's tends to be more women who do it than men. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll work on that one too, right? <laughs> giving ourselves space and all that. Yes. No, it's it's really so beautiful, and I you sharing that and and you know this whole conversation reminded me there was a point at which I had just. I had recently completed my doctorate, been like steeped in this journey, you know, and just so much about preparing for motherhood, being in it, but then getting such a big response from the with around this bigger topic. We all mother, we have so much, you know, the choices are all so rich and big and beautiful. And I had been working with a couple who had been, you know, always thought they'd have kids 
you know, it wasn't, it, there were, definitely wasn't going to happen naturally explored adoption and then just kind of hit a point where it's like we're going to draw a line in the sand and make this choice and you know they I've known them I I know of their life but they happened just were so the way they were sharing about all that they were doing in their life and and I knew having now at that point like my kids were you know older high school college or whatever mm-hmm that I had never actually let myself have, give myself permission to have regret for yeah. having children. Yeah. And I had said it out loud in this group and they're like, oh, you can't say that. Like, what will your kids think? I'm like, I think they'll be fine. You know, I'm yeah. not saying I don't love them or, you know, but to, that both of those could be true, that I could yeah. also regret like, wow, what would I have done that have, you know, raising children takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of focus and you know I lost myself in it for a number of years and you know so the whole coming out of it and seeing like yeah that's it's beautiful wonderful and we don't talk also about the impact you know that that has and wow if I don't you know this is possible and I, I yeah. let that like other possibility be there and like yeah like I'm sad I didn't have that right and and that's, I hope you can hear that as, but it was my own vulnerable revealing to just acknowledge that. Cause like, yeah. you know, well, you should, you should never say that, you know, of course, having kids was the right thing and the perfect thing. And, you know, and I how those can both exist. Yeah. They can exist together as well. Yeah. I love that you did that. And I think it, it's deep, right. And not everybody gets there and would allow themselves to feel that way and not everybody feels that way but um mm-hmm. yeah I, I I get that and it's that kind of not exactly a sliding doors moment but it's a sort of um yeah oh what would have been like life like if I didn't and oh what would life be like if I do or do you know and, and, and yeah. I still do because I like I said that I'm aware that there's choices that I may choose to make in the future um, absolutely yeah well, yeah, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful I got to be part of, you know, your sharing and how you're sparkling in the world and, and underlining, you know, it's our growth and development matters and matters to us. And then when we share it with others in an authentic, vulnerable way, like I said, it gives permission, it opens possibilities. And that's always my thing with all of this is like raising awareness, you know, where do we have more choice than we thought we did and you know what where those choices can take us and you know kind of come out of a limited view to a more expanded Mm. bigger beautiful and that's you know what I believe your article did so speaking of your article that can be found someone can search in the guardian Lucy Hanley and find it probably right I mean I'll have it in the show notes but just in case somebody doesn't look there but how else can people find you and discover other the other places you've been sharing your gift of writing and the work you're doing sure so thank you for asking so i have a website which is lucyhandley.com so l-u-c-y-h-a-n-d-l-e-y.com which is my kind of work website and something that i'm also nurturing or mothering myself right now is uh, my newsletter which is called the honesty box Um, and you can find that on the substack platform so if you search substack the honesty box you'll find it and That is really, um, I started that two years ago. That's really about partly becoming self-expressed, but mainly about sharing all of this stuff, being vulnerable. And it's not just being, it's not just about being a woman who doesn't have kids or a woman who's single. It's about midlife. It's about things I'm thinking about, things I like, you know, uh, being freelance, how we kind of show appreciation for each other and Mm -hmm. ourselves uh, if we don't have a partner or if we don't have a a kind of regular work colleagues. But mainly because I I kind of like, I think if we can express ourselves and be vulnerable, then we'll better understand each other Mm -hmm. and we'll have better relationships, right? So that's where I write about those kinds of things. So that's kind of like my personal blog and and newsletter, and you can subscribe for free to that. And that's the kind of project that I'm really trying to nurture and trying to think about where that goes next. So yeah, it's something I really love doing. I'm so so glad because I was going to make, go ahead. I was going to, I was going to make sure that we brought that, you know, in because it, and I'm going to subscribe and I just haven't yet. I knew it was, I knew it was, yes. Yeah. You can sign me up or I will either way. Um, I'll get a choice because uh, I, 
I love what you're doing. I'm so on board with, and I love the name, the honesty box. That's perfect. Beautiful. Okay. One last question uh, that I ask at the end of my time with people is what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? Oh, great question. I think rewrite the mother code means to me, you know, unwittingly or unintentionally, I kind of had to rewrite my own mother code because I thought I would become a mother in the most traditional sense of the word. So I guess I've had to rewrite it as becoming somebody who nurtures people and helps people feel life sparkle. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe the mother code for me is more about what's your life's purpose and Mm. that can apply to men it can apply to people who are who are parents certainly does because you know it's what does being a mother be mean to them and I guess it's also about the you know when you say the mother code I think it's about society and it goes back to what we were saying about you know people kind of asking questions of of women and men do you have kids you know and I think that those codes in society can be rewritten and I've certainly kind of rewritten mine to not ask those questions of other people unless I'm invited to. Beautiful. Well, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gertrude. Coming on and and sharing so beautifully and vulnerably. And I can't wait for my audience to to hear this. Thank you so much. I've loved speaking to you. Very happy to, to, to do that. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time.